Hello and welcome to The Connection, a new podcast from Connect Global. I'm Javier Mendoza, co-founder and vice president. We are excited to be using this platform to be more connected to you. The Connection can be broken down into three sections. The Founders Corner, an ongoing conversation between the co-founders of Connect Global. Global Neighborhood, a mix of interviews from around the world, including some of our friends and partners. And Life Talks place to hear the most recent talks we've given on the gospel, missions, and our place in the Great Commission. Our sincere hope is that you would favorite, bookmark, or subscribe to our podcast and for you to come back often for all the interviews, conversations, and to join the discussion. Let's get to it. Hey guys, this is Travis Moffitt, president and co-founder at Connect Global, and I want to welcome you to another segment of the Global Neighborhood here on the Connection Channel by Connect Global. We've got a real treat today, getting some some hangout time with my good friend, Daryl Courtney. Uh, Daryl serves as the student pastor and associate pastor at Revival Temple in Walker, Louisiana. He's been on staff there for two years and has been a volunteer there for six years. And uh, we'll hear more of his story. I know he's been involved with the church even longer than that. He's married to Lauren. They've been married five and a half years and they have one son, Maddox, and one daughter on the way. Yes, we do. So, Daryl, thank you so much for taking some time out and welcome to the Global Neighborhood. Absolutely, thanks for having the opp- or giving me the opportunity. Sure, man. So we're hanging out here in New Orleans, Louisiana, close yep. to, to your house, about an hour south of yep. your house, yep. so that's yep. nice. Uh, here at the Worldwide Evangelism uh, Annual Roundtable, Global Roundtable is called, and uh, having a great time. I know you're part of the leadership here, and uh, so this is a, just an awesome organization that brings together pastors and missionaries, and you kind of embody both of those you know, in one. You serve at a local church, and uh, have done some extensive missions work just a few weeks ago. Uh, we're in uh, Eastern Europe, if yes. I remember this correctly. Yeah. So tell me, Daryl, I want to jump right into the conversation. When was your first missions trip? Uh, first missions trip was to Victoria, Mexico. Okay. Um, I was probably a, a early teenager, 13, 14 years old. Uh, it was actually just um, on the trip simply because my mom and dad at the time took a group of youth group and college age students on their first mission trip so by default uh, my siblings and I we we ended up on the trip as well <laughs> that was my first uh, first experience um, there and at uh, sister Ollie Lovett's orphanage that was my first my first mission trip okay and how long were you guys there in Mexico uh, a little over a week okay yeah and was that like you know, you hear people talk about, oh, I went on this first trip and it changed my life. Was that this no. life-changing trip or it was just it went on, dealing with I, mom I, and dad? No, I went on that first trip saying that I would never go back <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that, that God would have to uh, very, very adamantly call me <laughs> and let me know that I was nice. supposed to go back to any any foreign country after that. Yeah. yeah I did, did I did not enjoy it whatsoever. Really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, when, when did you... So at some point in time, subsequently, you've gone on another mission trip back. again. Yes. Okay. We took uh, we took another trip, um, just a little bit later in high school, 
to a different part of Mexico. Mm-hmm. Uh, the experiences were great, uh, but yet, you know, I still hadn't hadn't walked into any type of uh, call at the time. Yeah. So I was more or less just going because it was a thing to do. Uh, sure. So at that age, uh, I think we get caught up more in the emotional side of things than the the true spiritual impact of it. Okay. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, it, it can it. Uh, on a certain level, it, it connected me with what my family's spiritual DNA is. So yeah, yeah, it, it definitely it definitely got the ball rolling. Okay, uh, but it was it really wasn't until I started until I got older and started going to different places that I, I guess got bit by the bug, if you will. So. Was there a particular trip that you look back on at this point and say, okay, that was the pivotal trip? That was where something really clicked or something really changed in me that, okay, I, I need to start pursuing this further. Well, uh, honestly, the first, one of the first trips that I took after I had been walking in a more spiritually mature place for a while was with you guys uh, okay. into, into La Ceiba. Um And I think the, 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 the pivotal point there for me was to actually um, being being in a place of, of leadership on that trip as far as bringing young adults along with me yeah. and helping them get attached to what they felt was their calling. Um, I know my calling is to be a pastor, but we took several young people on that trip, as you, you remember. Yeah. Um, and out of that trip, a few of those young people felt the call to missions and are actively doing missions now. And so that, that trip was really a, uh, it, was a, it was an awakening for me to, it kind of uh, gave me just a glimpse of what my purpose was, was to connect uh, people who feel the call to that part of the fivefold ministry with folks who can oblige them in their in their desire to go. Sure. Uh, so I, I felt like that turned a corner for me, uh, just in my purpose, you know. That's awesome. You know, in Romans, it talks about uh, how can people believe in Jesus uh, you know, call on him if they haven't believed. And how can they believe if they haven't heard? And how right. can they hear unless someone preaches to them? Right. And how can they preach unless they're sent? And so right. it implies the goers and the senders, as sure. as we might we might call that. And uh, so you've had opportunity to go, but still also confirming that call in your heart as a sender. Yeah, absolutely. Sending these young people I, to, I feel to the like I feel like at times I'll be a goer. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, my, my call is to to pastor um, alongside my dad, um, and but I think as as his main call and his function is, he is a sender, a, an equipper, and you know just a, a resource. Uh, God's tremendously blessed us, our church, to 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 just be uh, an extension. Uh, and so I, whereas I, I love to go. Uh, you know, like you said, we just got back from Bulgaria and uh, and and United Kingdom, and uh, I love to go, but uh, I love to send more yeah. more than I love to go. I hear you, man. Let's talk about that a little bit. Your role okay. there at the church, and you uh, mentioned this a moment ago: the missional DNA in your family, yeah. and and working alongside your father. Your father, Wes, and mom, Mel- uh, Melissa, are the pastors of the church, Revival yes. Temple there. And um, you serve as the student and associate pastor. How did you, how did you, what was the transition? How did you go from mom and dad are the pastors to I 
need to be a volunteer. I need to be on staff here. This is my my calling. How'd you come into this line of work? We, as a church, we were growing. Uh, we were going through transitional phases. Um, the, the the size of the congregation was growing. That was growing. Was starting to put. Uh, a lot of additional demands on the staff. One of the guys who was actually the youth pastor at the time um, was, uh, forced is not a good word, but um, just the necessity for him to even take on a role as, as a benevolence and care pastor, just to tend, help dad tend to the flock. Um, alongside with just um, just time, uh, the, the transitions of time were, were coming. and um, It was more or less not so much a, a about time for someone to get out as it was a time for me to come in and um, you know I've always been around the church been in the church my whole life um, and I think I think it was just really a, a, a God time thing time for me to, to step up and put a hand to the plow and begin to help carry the vision that, that Revival Temple has had for so long. Now you, you said earlier that your calling is to be a pastor. Is, yes. Was there in your life, and I know this is different for, for everybody, but was there a moment when, you know, you knew, you know, my life is marked. Yes. I have this calling. Was that defined for you in a moment, or was that defined for you over a period of time, or how did that become real to you? It was defined for me um, both, I, I guess, confirmed over time, but, but, but really defined in a moment. Um, from from being a very young man, I, I remember about 15 years old, just receiving numerous extensive prof prophecies on you know just the future ministry. Even even um, with there being a, a chasm of of, <laughs> of time in between there, yeah. Um, you know, I think at 15, 16 years old, I, th I knew that I would preach. Uh, at that time, I thought it was going to be an evangelist. I really felt like I wanted to be an evangelist. Now sure. looking back, I know that there's absolutely no way I have the grace to, to do that. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, God has given me the grace to to, to pastor people. It it really shifted when um, I, I began to to experience heartbreak and um, burden for people going through situations, and no matter uh, how much my mind told me to stay out of it my heart still dove in it you know and so it was yeah. more or less just um, God really just began to shift the way that I thought and began to let me feel some some burden for for his people and, and um, yeah, it, just, it just really shifted the way that I thought about it. That's interesting that you describe that that way because I think for many young people I know myself uh, included um, will sometimes feel like okay I know my life is moving towards ministry but I don't know what and you know I wish that the handwriting on the wall yeah. you know what appears yeah. as I say does this hand would appear and just inscribe sure. Travis you're supposed to do XYZ or Daryl and we forget to listen to our heart yeah. you know and you're, you're describing the the pastorate role not from the position of well uh, you know I get to stand in front of people on Sunday morning and and yeah give some sort of message, but the the pain, even the word you use, the pain or the burden in your heart for compassion yeah. for people. Yeah, yeah, preaching, as far as pastoring goes, preaching is the by far the easiest part of it. it I yeah. mean, it really is. It's just, uh, you know, evangelists, they, they come in and Admonish God's people or exhort God's people, and then they go they go on to the next place. And um, 
oftentimes pastors, they just, you're not only in charge of feeding people consistently, daily, weekly, monthly, but you're also in charge of keeping the keeping the barns clean and yeah. <laughs> just keeping everything going. Right. Preaching is absolutely the, the, the easiest part wow. of doing pastoring work. Now you mentioned a minute ago uh, um, when we were talking about some of the missions trips that you have taken about the DNA in yeah. your family. Yeah. And uh, I want to back up a, even another generation if we can. Your mm-hmm. father and mother are the pastor of the church and they've yes. pastored for how long? 16 years. 16 Senior years. pastors of 16 years. They've uh, we're on staff there for several years before that. Oh, you know, in, in, in a, whether it was even an associate pastor, dad was an associate pastor for a while. Um, they volunteered their time since 1977. Okay. And the pastor before yes. your mom and dad, who was that? Uh, W.S. McMasters. That was my mom's dad. That okay. My grandfather. So that was your grandfather? Yes. And, and he didn't plant the church, but he, he came in as the pastor very early on. Yeah, at in the, the time that uh, the, the church was birthed in Walker, it was actually birthed out of a Pentecostal tent revival. Okay. Um, the, the area at the time was very, very well known for moonshining and, and just uh, alcoholism. And uh, the church wow. was actually birthed by a man who was, at, at the time, um, was really one of the forerunners of church planting in, in in the United States, in this region, his name is A.E. Eccles. He founded the church. My grandfather um, was called upon to pastor it. They moved from Arkansas. He moved his entire family. Uh, and that was in the late 50s. Wow. And um, he pastored the church for 43 years. Wow. Yeah. And I've heard, I, I never had the opportunity to meet your grandfather, but I've heard stories. Yes. Uh, and you described this DNA. How would you, if you had to define the DNA of Revival Temple, and, and that was really the DNA of your grandfather, Brother McMasters, and to your mom and dad and to yourself that we see so evident in the whole congregation of the church, how would you describe that DNA? What does that mean? Um, his DNA was, was, was missions. Yeah. He, was a, he was a pastor. That was his call. That was, that was his job. Um, but aside from pastoring, it, it was no, no doubt whatsoever that his passion was foreign missions uh his favorite verse would go you into all the world yeah. uh, i mean it, it was just he lived eat breathe sleep the great commission and he wanted he, he literally he actually gave up his dream um and he had he had begun the path he was actually um starting to play professional baseball for the st louis cardinals wow and um God spoke to him during a spring training session to go home that he was calling him. He went home and that's when his pastoring began. He planted several churches uh, before he moved to Walker to pastor that for 43 years. But his blood was always missions. Um, How did he flesh that out? I mean, when you say his passion was missions, yeah. but here he's a pastor. Sure. How did that, like what did that look like on a day-to-day practical level? It looks the same as what worldwide evangelism looks like today. Um, our slogan, if you will, our mission statement is your ministry connected. Yeah. That was that was his heart, was to connect to missionaries that needed uh, a father, a pastor, a supporter, an encourager, a funder, um, just just hands. And um, he, he, our church, literally, uh, it was 
it was just an iconic week. We had World Harvest Sundays to where we'd raise money for missions projects. We had the annual missions convention that went for five, six days at a time. And it, wow. it was just um, everything that he could do to further the, the gospel and to fulfill the Great Commission. Um, I, think he, I think he knew, um, you asked about the, the DNA, I think he knew in his heart that as like we were talking earlier, um, going and sending, I think he knew that he was going to go and he did go. He, I mean, he traveled the world extensively, but I think that he knew deep down that he could make more of an impact by getting men and women together, pulling resources together and funding the kingdom, uh, which was how worldwide evangelism, you know, originally worldwide missionary evangelism with uh, him, uh, Pastor Kemp Holden, and Morris Potts, the three original founders of WME in 1972, or actually earlier than that, um, that it, what was his passion became an, a living organism, and it's still it's still alive today. And that's that's what we do. We connect ministries, we connect resources. Um, that's still where Revival Temple's bloodline is. Uh, our heartbeat is missions. That's our lifeblood. We can never get away from that. It's what it's what keeps us in a place of favor. It keeps our church in a place of blessing, um, just simply because we're carrying on with, with uh, his legacy. You told me a story one time about your grandfather um, as he had spent these 43 years pastoring the church and had come to the end of his life. Yeah. He had a very specific request, yeah. not only of the church, but even how he would want his life to be remembered. Yeah. Uh, Tell me about that. Um, <laughs> he actually, before, uh, he suffered uh, an aneurysm. And before he lost uh, consciousness, he actually made um, all of us promise him that we would take up a missions offering at his funeral. Um, wow. His, his, you know, so <laughs> with his very last show on, on this earth, he went out supporting missions. You know, it just it it was it was the epitome, and it was just a cap off of what his life was spent. Um, I mean, literally, the very last thing that we did with his body still being in this earth was was take up an offering, and with that offering, the church was built in, in Latin America, and uh, you know, the church is still there today, and now that church is planting churches. So, so you know, it was everything that he was. It was all about. It was all about missions. Thank you very much for listening. What a wonderful conversation between Travis Moffat and Daryl Courtney of Revival Temple. Please be sure to catch the second part of this interview next Thursday here on the Connection Podcast as a part of our Global Neighborhood segment. Thank you very much.